Okay, good morning. Today we'll be learning Bezrat Hashem, Daf Ein Gimel, in Maseches Yuma, which means we'll be finishing the seventh parak, Bezrat Hashem, if we get to Amun Beis. So let's start on the first wide line on Ein Beis, Amun Beis. We were talking about how a lot of Musr on Amun Beis, which had to do with if you learn Torah with sincerity, then you merit, right, great... Um, great happiness, gladness, and it could be an elixir of life for you. Whereas if you do so, God forbid, insincerely, the word of Hashem can also, can also smelt trufa. So that's where we get to the first wide line. We had said, right, the Pasuk, right, that Pekude Hashem Yisharim Misam Chelev Imras Hashem Trufa which is all songs here that we're going to uh, have deeper understanding now of. Mishalakish says, well, look at, look at the uh, Pasuk itself. Zacha tzorafta l'chaim. Lo zacha tzorafta l'misa. In other words, just the words, right? Imer Hashem trufa. The word trufa is ambiguous. It could either, smelting is, uh, as you know, Andrew, the process of bringing metals together. Hatzorfim. Uh, is the name of the silversmith uh, in Israel. Anyway, so, right, when you're making it and you're melting the silver, so it could either uh, do be a good thing, like in Hatzofim at the silversmith, or it, you know, can actually uh, melt you up. So it has a very powerful effect, does the Torah. And it's just a question of, is it powerful in a good way? And that will depend on one's intentions. Okay. Uh, expounding on the Hemshech of the Pasuk, which is, right, Yiras Hashem Tehoira omitted La'ad, the fear of Hashem is very pure, and that is what is everlasting and enduring. In other words, Yiras Hashem Tehoira, if you learn it with purity, Mahi, what does learning Torah with purity mean? So Reb Chanina thought that learning in purity meant that instead of uh, being preoccupied with thoughts of getting engaged, you should get married, get settled, get your get your head uh, quiet down your mind, and then you can learn Torah. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. So, Rechinina, in today's generation, um, the, the, you have to do more than just get married. Probably uh, is what is what they're saying in the yeshivas these days. I have a lot of friends, you know, in in uh, in the yeshiva world, um, especially in Israel. And uh, shout out to Rosh. Who is on vacation now on his annual vacation with the Rebbitzin uh, in Mevasar? Anyway, Edut Hashem Neimana, by Isaacson. He's like one of my besties. Okay, Edut Hashem Neimana, Amar B'chia Bar Abba Neimana He Lehaid Belomdea. It's trustworthy. You could trust the Torah to testify. I love this line. Neimana He Lehaid Belomdea. You know what? It's like a, kind of like a karma. What goes around comes around type thing. Where you're just you're saying that the the Torah everything rises to the top. Somebody like Andrew, people may not realize um, the consistency and the sincerity and and uh, with which he's here. Nobody's ever been here before him. Who even knows when he gets here? And so so that kind of thing does not go unnoticed. It may not. It may go unnoticed by other people, but trustworthy to testify about those who study study it. If if one does so with sincerity, we can rest assured that it's being noticed where it matters. Okay. 
Let's go back a little bit to textiles, and then we'll um, and then we'll we'll finish off the parak. Masay Roy came, the work of an embroider. Ah, Goranowitz comes back for the textiles. Mashechoshev means the work of a designer. They would have embroidery where they had design. What's embroidery? What's design? As follows. Embroidery is needlework. Anyways, right? Is it two-sided or one-sided? What kind of printing are you doing? One-sided or two-sided? So if you're doing rokem and needlework, that's one-sided. Choshev, which is, which is weaving, has two sides to it. Choshev is masa oreg, lefichach shnei partzufot. Therefore, it's two faces, two sided. You can see the design on both sides. So now we're at the two dots, three lines up from the bottom. And we get to a very interesting part of the Mishnah, which is the Urim Vitumim. Back to the Urim Vitumim. The Oracle, Garanowitz, Lahavdil. You can tell the future from the Urim Vitumim. You ask it stuff. Okay, that's one of the, because you can't talk about the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol. Can't talk about the eight begadim without talking about the urim v'tumim. So now we're going to go into the uh, the process of what goes on with the urim v'tumim. This is all urim v'tumim uh, until the end. Kiyasa of Dimi. So of Dimi came from Eretz Yisrael famously, and the big gadol hador there was Rabbi Yochanan, and people were in Yeshir, and everybody wanted to know what he said. So of Dimi comes and he says the following idea. This is a fascinating concept. You look at the Torah and you open up uh, the Psukim and you see all of a sudden there is a piece there about something called a Mashuach Milchama. The Mashuach Milchama was a Kohen Gadol, and as was a Kohen rather, and you see that he was a very unique kind of Kohen. Um, what was this Meshuach Melchama? So whenever they would go to war, right, whenever they, before they went to war, this is literally in the Psukim, um, you would have to appoint a Kohen, and that Kohen, as Rashi says, Kohen shemashchu lemilchama, ladaver divrei marachei melchama, shenemar v'nigash ha-Kohen v'diber la'am. You look at Devarim Perikchaf, Pasuk Aleph, you start from the beginning, and you find out who this Meshuach Melchama is. He is an individual that prior to going to war is anointed. That's why he's called Meshuach. You anoint him by pouring oil on him, right? And you say, you are the designated Kohen that's going to give us the pep talk before we go to war, literally. And you look at the Psukim in Dvarim, in Dvarim Perak Chaf. And he's saying, if you're scared, if you're just recently married, if you're not up to this, don't do it. But Hashem will, will bring, uh, Hashem sent us and Hashem will bring them, uh, our enemy into our hands. How does he know that Hashem sent us? Because they asked the Urim Vitumim. The Urim Vitumim would tell you whether to go to war or not. Um, what was the status of the Meshuch Mechama? So there is now going to be a discussion. Was he wearing the Shemon Begadim or not of the Kohen Gadol when he gave the pep talk? Or maybe he was just consulting the Urim Tumim. Maybe he only wore it when he gave a pip talk. Or maybe he even wore it the rest of the year, just like the Kohen Gadol. Wow. Remember, not just one person was wearing the eight Begadim at one time. Because, if, as you might recall, there could be a scenario where a Kohen Gadol gets Tameh and has to be replaced. And then he goes through purification process and comes back. So now we're talking about a hierarchy of Kohanim. 
The Kohen Gadol is the highest hierarchy, is the highest point in the hierarchy of Kohanim that there is, but there could be multiple Kohanim Gadolim at a given time, right? There's only one active Kohen Gadol, but you could have a Kohen Gadol emeritus. He too is allowed to potentially at some point wear the Shemona uh, Begadim, and possibly the next level would be the, the Kohen Meshuach Melchama. This Kohen had great status. How they selected him is not written in these pages, but he was somehow selected. Once selected, he also had a great status just below. He was 1A to the Kohen Gadol. He was not the Kohen Gadol himself, but he, but he had great uh, clout and status as we will now see. So with that introduction, the statement that Rav Dimi brought from Israel was that the same Begadim that the Kohen Gadol wore, uh, wore the Kohen Meshuach Melchama wears when he, when he, uh, when he serves, when he does his avoda, when he goes to give his pep talk. Shneemar. Here's what the psukim there say. This is a pasuk that we had said before, that the, this idea of these eight, right, begadim is something that's passed on to generations. Whenever you do the, read the parsha of the big day kahuna, that's passed on from generation to generation. So long as the mikdash stood, um, the, the, that was passed on. But the understanding here is the the ayu levanav acharav means the mishabah acharav, which is that not only the big man on campus, the BMOC, the kohen gadol, wears the the big day kahuna, but also of the shemona begadim. But also he was immediately after him in the hierarchy, which is the kohen meshuach melchama that we just described. Now, Others, some, some say this is not attributed, some say it was Right? So, this is something that Talmud Lomar, Shivas Yomim Banav, Asher Mohed. So, this is the Hemshech is an Ein Gimel Amad Aleph, and what this statement is as follows. You might have thought that just like generally, generally, Kohen Gadol, in, in a case where nobody could take uh, over, if somebody needs to quickly take over for him, we give first, write a first refusal, so to speak. We give a first look. The first res- resume that we look at on top of the pile is his son, right? Rashi, the last five lines in Rashi and Ayan Beis and Beis before we turn to Ayan Gimel. It says, Vigabi Kohen Gadol Tanya, we learned a brisa beduchta achrisi somewhere else. Betoras kohanim lekayin tachas aviv melamed shehabein kodem lechol adam. Right, that the son of the kohen gadol is the first in line to get that job. Yachol afal pisha eid memaleis mekomo talmud lomer b'asher yemale. Right, so we see that Rashi here is explaining that beno is to teach you that. The Meshuach Melchama does get the Begadim, as we just mentioned. But unlike the Kohen Gadol, the actual job isn't passed down to him. So you, right, you massage the Pasuk in such a way that the job of the Kohen Gadol can be uh, first and foremost passed to the son of the Kohen Gadol uh, when, you know, the son is Roy and all is well and all, and, and it makes sense to give it to him. However, the begadit, this is not true of the Meshuch Melchama. There's no such thing as passing that job down to your son, but the clothing of the Kohen Gadol get, do, in fact, get used by the uh, Meshuch Melchama. And that's what, over here, this last piece is. That it's only the actual office of being a Kohen Gadol that gets passed down to the son, um, 
but the begadim, but but that's as opposed to the mishuch mukhamah where it's not. Okay, the im isa, and if you're going to say that the idea is that the kohen mishuach mukhama wears the shmona begadim all year long, mechze chazi, then he too should be fit to go in to the Kaddish Kadashim. The question here is, the assumption here is, that whoever can, whoever wears the Big Day Kahuna, uh, the Shemona Begadim, can in fact, that wearing the Shemona Begadim does in fact invest you with the power, but the power that's invested in you to do the Avoda of the Kohen Gadol. As a matter of fact, and we'll see this in a minute, in the absence of the anointing oil that we mentioned, he's called Meshach Muhammad because you anoint him with the oil. But the oil at a certain point in history disappeared while the base of Mikdash was still extant. And when they no longer had the oil, they would then use instead the Shmona Begadim to inaugurate the, the uh, Kohen Gadol. So if wearing the Shmona Begadim actually initiates you as a Kohen Gadol, so maybe the fact that you're a Meshuch Melchama and you can wear the Shemona Begadim should also give you the status of a Kohen Gadol. That's what the Gemara is saying here. In other words, we said that the Kohen Meshuch Melchama does not have the status of a Kohen Gadol. And in fact, however, that seems to contradict the statement of Revdimi who says that the Begadim Shekohen Gadol Meshamesh Behen, Meshuch Melchama Meshamesh Behen. It sounds like the Meshuch Melchama does in fact do the work of the Kohen Gadol. Let's see this uh, Rashi second line on Gim Omarav. So it sounds like whoever is wearing the begadim can in fact do the avoda. Rashi's explaining what the havamina is, what the issue is here. And the issue is, if, as Rav Dimi said, the Meshuach Muhammad can wear the Begadim, then he should also be able to do the Avoda. He should be BMOC, big man on campus, just like the Kohen Gadol. Okay, so the Gemara answers. That's the steer. So Amar of Nachman, but Yitzchak, Hachi Kamar. Kol she ikar meshichasa le'oyel mo'ed. Yatsa zeh she ikar meshichasa le'mukhama. The Pasuk of Asher Yavol le'omo'ed means that his purpose of being the Kohen Gadol is to do the Avoda of the Olmoid, which is to say the Avoda of the Beis HaMikdash. Right? That's passed on. And ultimately the Kodesh HaKadashim, that's passed on. That's chus from father to son. However, Now, by the way, this is not, it's not passed on to father to son every year. I, you know, how did one become elected as a Meshach Melchama? We, I still don't know. How one became elected as Kohen Gadol, that was selected by Sanhedrin, right? That was, we also said, uh, in the Bayashani people paid off. So it's not like it was uh, a nepotism where the Kohen Gadol got to appoint who his successor was. I think all it means is that the son gets, like I said, right of first refusal, as they say. Anyway, the Mashiach Melchama, his main purpose is not at all to serve in the base of Mikdash. Rather, it's to give this pep talk before the battle. And therefore, that's what Rav Nachman Yitzchak is saying. Asher Yavol Olmoed is saying that the Kohen Gadol is the one that gets to wear the Begadim all year long. And the Kohen Meshach Muhammad does not. So then the question is, what did we mean still when we said that the Begadim that the Kohen Gadol uses, that's what the Meshach Muhammad uses. So let's see. So he's saying, first we'll say another contradiction to, to Rav Dimi, and then we're going to have to amend what Rav Dimi said. Another contradiction is, 
This is a very interesting brisa. What is the Meshuch Melchama wearing? Well, he can't wear the four begadim because it's beneath him, uh, because he's a higher status than that. And he can't wear the eight begadim because that would be disrespectful to the Kohen Gadol because he's not at the level of the Kohen Gadol. So what does he wear? Let's see. What, what do you want him to wear? If he can't wear the four begadim and he can't wear the eight begadim, what is he wearing? Tie rose and a hoodie? So he says no. He doesn't wear the Shemar begadim like the Kohen Gadol. Mishum Eva. Eva means again that the Kohen Gadol is going to feel resentful because wearing, right, the Shemar begadim is going to make the Kohen Gadol feel like he's not as big of a deal as he's supposed to be. And and he doesn't wear the begadim of the Kohen Hedjots because what Hedjots because he already wore four begadim and you're supposed to show some aspect of Milan Bekadish, some aspect of being elevated. So 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 what are we going to do here? How, what what is this coin going to wear? So we're going to see. Um, but the point that Abaya is making is when he says he doesn't wear either the, the four or the or the eight. It's not because of the fact that he shouldn't wear big day kahuna. It's because one is beneath him, one's above him. So what are we going to do? So I'm like, Vadabar Abba Larava. Based off of that brysa, the bry- we never answer what he actually wears here. But based off of that brysa, we say, Vayatana delaysle eva below kamashamish. So it's interesting. He said to Rava, the Tana says that he doesn't talk about eva. Why doesn't he talk about Eva? In other words, when Rav Dimi said, he doesn't mention Eva, right? So, and still he holds that he does not wear the Shemon of Begadim, the Tanya, because we said the price of the following. Now we're going to list all the things that make a coin gadol different than a coin hedyot. This is a fascinating brisa, and it goes through everything. Some of them you'll recognize because, I, because after all, obviously the coin gadol is the only one doing the avod on Yom Kippur, so that's certainly one difference between a coin gadol and a coin hedyot. But we'll, we'll, we, some of these will be familiar to you, some of them will be new. So let, let's go through this list, and then we'll see what the question is that we're teasing out as follows. Number one, par kohen mashiach upar haba al kol hamitzvos. Right? There was a Kohen Gadol, when he made a mistake, right, in Psak, that had a, a, a ramification, right, for Klal Yisrael that would be an Isser Kares, or for himself, that would be an Isser Kares that he allowed. So he has to bring a special Korban that's unique to the Kohen Gadol. It's called the Par Kohen Mashiach. He brings a, a Korban of a bull for a Kohen Mashiach. Par Haba'al Kola Mitzvos. And, and also for Haba'al Kola Mitzvos, Right, this is where he made again um, an, an in, incorrect. So, so really, the question is the gra, as he points out, is that those are really two, two of the same. In both cases, it's referring to where he's made that mistake, uh, as Rashi says, "Par Koin Mashiach Lo Garcina Dahainu Par Haba Al Kola Mitzvos." Right. In other words, Rashi is explaining those two. He doesn't have Par Koin Mashiach in the Girsa. He, it's just Hainu Hach, as they say. Those two are the same. Rashi is saying, davar. He made, he made a mistake. He has to now bring a korban. He, he did something that Chayavim al Zonakaris. Anyway, so he brings a, a par. This is to, in contrast to the Koin Hedjot, who also would have to bring a korban in such a scenario, but he would not bring a par, but rather he would bring 
a sheep or a goat when he does that. Or that's true really with all korbanos chatas of any individual. So again, unlike a regular Kohen or a regular human being who when he brings a korban chatas brings a goat or a sheep, the Kohen Gadol brings a par. So we see he's a bigger deal. Also, par of Yom Kippur. Obviously, the par that we know so famously is brought in Yom Kippur. That's only the Kohen Gadol's par. Asiri Sa'efa was actually a daily avoda that was done half in the morning, half in the afternoon, only by the Kohen Gadol. Lo this is a different thing. When a Kohen Gadol is an avel, he does not, unlike other avelim, Rahman al-Itzlan, who have to let their hair and beard grow out, the Kohen Gadol has to keep an aspect of dignity and the office is so important that even if he was an avelus, he would still shave and trim below Poreim, nor does he rend his clothing for the same reason. He doesn't tear his clothing. Aval, he has to tear his clothing a little bit if he's an avel. So therefore, we're going to tear his clothing at a place where it's inconspicuous and nobody could tell. Thus, he's yotze, tearing his clothes in mourning, but not in a way that people could see. He can maintain the dignity of the office. Right? A coin or a regular person, when they tear their clothing, they tear it from the top so that everybody could see their avelus. Okay? That's an amazing thing. That whereas typically a Kohen cannot go into a cemetery. However, for the Zion Krovim, right, the siblings and the parents and the children and the real close ones, if there's a Velas for them, so for them, the, even the Kohen can actually be Matame, right? He, uh, he's, he does so. Uh, however, the Kohen Gadol, even for those Zion Krovim, he's not Matame. Wow. Again, this idea of he can't be Tame at all, he's the Kohen Gadol. So whereas you know that a coin can't marry a Grusha, a Kohen Gadol can't even marry an Almana, has to be a Basula, and it, this takes two forms. Number one, a mitzvah to marry a Basula. Number two, a muzhar al-almana, al- and a love to marry an Almana. Okay. Famously, we know that those who are in the Ir Miklat, when the Kohen Gadol passes away, the, that's, the, that's the end of their sentence, and they can go back to life. That's called Machzir Sarotzeach. That's only when the Kohen Gadol passes away. Not when the Kohen Meshach Muhammad or the Kohen Hedyot, certainly. Although, by the Meshach Muhammad, he had such a status that some say maybe he's also Machzir Sarotzeach. But we, the, the uh, mainstream assumption is not at all. Okay? Umakriv Onin, right? This is an amazing thing that the Kohen Gadol can bring Karbanas even while he's in the state of Aninus, which is in a 24-hour period before he buries whoever he's in Avel for. The Eino Ochel. However, during his Aninus, even though he could be Makriv, he still cannot eat of that Korban. Okay? Why? Eino Ochel Rashi Klomar Afalpishu Chaluk Minahedyot Leinin HaKorava Shavahu Leinin Achila. Right? And Onan could usually neither bring a Korban nor eat it. So the Kohen Gadol you never say they can't bring carbon. Even in the state of Aninus, he can bring the carbon, carbonos. He just can't eat it when he's an Anin. But ain't a cholik, and he does, nor does he take, uh, a chalik of it, venota chalik barosh. And he also, as we said, he could walk around, big man on campus, and anybody, any, any carbon, any coin brought, he could say, let me take that piece. That looks really good. Umakrev chalik barosh. And he could even step in and bring the carbon ahead of anyone. This is all the things that the coin Gadol could do um, that really distinguish him. And in the end, what's relevant to us, 
Umeshamish b'shmona kelim. He wears the shmona begadim. Upata al tumas miklash v'kadasha. Amazingly, he does not have to bring. It's also for him to walk in, obviously, b'tumah. But if he inadvertently walks in with tumah, unlike any other coin hedjot who does so, has to bring a korban uh, for doing so, he does not. He's potter from bringing that korban. And as we started off, we say what we know, which is that the obviously the avoda of Yom Kippur has to be done exclusively by him. So now, that is the... And that, that is how the Brysis sets up. All the distinctions fascinating between the Kohen Gadol and the regular Kohen. However, says the Brysa in, continu- in continuing, All these halachas unique to Kohen Gadol, they apply to him, right, while, uh, while he's wearing, they go into effect, one should say, once he uh, wears the additional clothing. Except, for the aforementioned par uh, habal mitzvahs, when he makes that mistake, that he would have to make earlier. What's going on? So let's see Rashi. This is what we referred to before. From that day, that the Shemina Mishcha was um, was no longer uh, was no longer around. Right, the art scroll said when it was um, during the Gemara and Horius. I think explains when the Shem and Mishcha, um, uh, King Yoshia, that, there it is. Um, up until King Yoshia, they had it. However, about 40 years before the destruction of the Bayes Rishon, uh, Arts Call explained, this is, a, this is in Horios, Dafyud Bays, that's when the Shem and Hamishcha was concealed. And from then on, how did they do the anointing of the Kohen Gadol? By the Begadim, by putting on the Begadim. Okay. So, so, but, uh, the exception here of Parabal Kol Mitzvos, it says in the Pasuk, it says the Mashiach Ksivba. So there, it, it only, that one he only, he would need the actual oil to get, to get to that level, because that, that's when it applies, that's what Rashi explains, that that's what you would need to have that ex- exemption. But anyway, furthermore, says the Gemara, and all of these halachas, Right, pertain to Kohen Gadol, also who was what retired already. This is Meshuach Sha'avar is the Kohen Gadol Emeritus. So this is a big, huge chiddush, Andrew, isn't it? You thought we all thought that there was only one Kohen Gadol. This is all, by the way, developing one giant question. We're going to get to it, but we thought this whole time that there was only one Kohen Gadol who could wear the Shemona Begadim in what time? Right, that there would be what a Single set of Shemona Begadim. There was only, you know, in Purim, you have a lot of kids wearing the Kohen Gadol costume. But we thought that in real life, there would be only one Kohen Gadol wearing the Kohen Gadol costume. Not so. That's the big Kiddush here. That even the Kohen Gadol Emeritus wears. So like in, we're in B'nai Jacob Shari Zion. So that Rabbi Rose and Rabbi Hauer were they, right? They're both, uh, they both could wear the big day Kohen Gadol. Okay. So we're going to see what the question arises from there. So, so first of all, all of this that we just said that makes the coin Gadol unique applies to the coin Gadol Emeritus. Obviously, only one person could do the Avodah Yom Kippur. So that's going to be only the main coin Gadol, the acting coin Gadol. So that's only Rabbi Rose. Uh, the daily Asiris Eifa is also only Rabbi Rose. 
And, says the Brisa, none of this applies to the Meshuch Melchama. Except for the five things listed regarding a Kohen Gadol, which include Loporea, Loporim, Lometam, Lekrovav, Umetzuva, Lebsula, Umuzar, Lalmana, Umachzer, Tzartzeach, Kediva, Rabbi Yehuda, Vechachavim, Amrim, Eino, Machzer. So, the five things that do apply to the Kohen Meshuch Melchama, who we see is one of the bigger men on campus. He's kind of the wingman, in a sense, right? Because he does not, he's, his office is so dignified that when in Avelis, he does still groom, he doesn't grow out his hair or, or his beard or anything like that. Um, and he's not Metamela Krovov, so he stays away. All those things that uh, are part of the office of the Kohen Gadol are also part of the office of the Kohen Meshuach Melchama. And again, he too cannot marry an Almana. He has to marry Basula. So you see quite a high status of this new guy that we just met, the Meshuach Melchama. And there's even a machlokas as to whether when he passes away, whether all of the inadvertent killers of the year, of the year Miklach goes back. That's machlokas to Yehuda and Chachamim. Amazing. According to Yehuda, he, even his death, this is a machlokas in Makos Yud Aleph, whether his death would bring back the actual, and we'll, hopefully we'll get there, uh, whether, and you'll remember that the Kohen Meshuch Melchama is, uh, his death brings back the actual, um, right, inadvertent killers. So, embedded in all this is the question, which is, why do we have the Eva for the Meshuch Melchama and not for the Kohen Gadol Emeritus, as follows? In other words, what is left out of this? In other words, what applies to the Kohen Meshuch Melchama? Possibly even his death brings back the, um, those who are in the Ere Miklat. But listen to this. We did not mention the Shemon Rebbe here. Yes, it's true that he has to keep clean. Yes, it's true that it, he even can't be Matame to Krovov, this Kohen Meshuch Melchama. But he does not wear the Shemon Rebbe And herein lies a contrast between the Kohen Gadol Emeritus and the Kohen Meshuch Melchama. We brought a statement which said that the Kohen Meshuch Melchama cannot wear Shemona Begadim Mishum Eva. Cannot wear the Shemona Begadim because he is, right, because uh, it would be disrespectful to the Kohen Gadol. The question is, and we call this the Yitz Topper Clause, because when we were learning this, he picked up on it right away. I was like, I got lost in the length of the Brisa, and he picked up on this right away. He said, listen, we see here that the Kohen Gadol Emeritus can wear the Shemona Begadim, and there are multiple Kohanim, thus, walking around wearing the Shemona Begadim. Asks Yitz Tapper, if the Kohen Gadol Emeritus can wear the Shemona Begadim, and there's no problem of Eva there, why is there a problem of Eva for the Kohen Meshuch Melchama, uh, and to the extent that he cannot wear the Shemona Begadim. And indeed, that's not one of the five things listed that the Kohen Meshuch Melchama and the Kohen Gadol have in common. Oh, that's a great point. Not only is that Yitzhak's point, that's the point of the Gemara. The Gemara is saying, why is there Eva between the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Meshuch Melchama and not between the Kohen Gadol and other Kohen Gadolim? Why would the Kohen Gadol, acting Kohen Gadol, mind the Meshuch Melchama wearing the Shemona Begadim and not mind the Kohen Gadol Emeritus wearing the Shemona Begadim. And the answer is, what you might have thought, having been around in the world, says the Gemara, he lay slay Eva. When does he have no Eva? When an equal is wearing the Shemona Begadim. 
However, if somebody else uh, who is inferior to him wears it, then of course he does have Eva, right? The Kohen Gadol Emeritus, that's a brotherhood, right? In other words, Rabbi Rose, do you think he minds that Rabbi Hauer wears the big day kahuna as well? No. It's part of a brotherhood. It's an honor to be part of that brotherhood. But if Chaim Shechter was to wear, was to walk around in another clothing, with all due respect to Chaim Shechter, who's a tremendous legend, right? He's not, uh, he's not considered, he has not been anointed as the uh, Kohen Gadol, so to speak, in that analogy, right? And so that would be disrespectful. There's only, right, once you're in the brotherhood, you're in the brotherhood, but people beneath that should not be wearing that. Okay. So therefore, Yasef Rabbi when he was sitting, so now we're saying this statement of Ravdimi was, was a uh, statement that now went under heavy fire, right? Ravdimi said, made it sound like whatever the Kohen Gadol wears, the Kohen Meshuch Mechama wears. That certainly seems to not be the case. Now, we don't know what happened when Ravdimi said it yet, but there, certainly when Rabbi Abau said that statement, Mishmei the Rabbi Yochanan, in the name of Yochanan, Ahadrinu Rabbi Ami Rabbi Azi Laapayu. Rabbi Ami and Rabbi thought that this was, uh, ter- that, that was a terrible part. They did not like it at all. They had to turn away from Rabbi Abau in disapproval. Or another version, that it was not said by Rabbi Bo, either way, the statement is consistent. Rabbi Verbasi's reaction in both cases was turning away from this because they hated this, this idea because it made no sense what Rabbi Dimi said. Certainly the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Mashiach Muhammad don't both wear Shemoni Begadim. That's a Kohen Gadol thing. Or a Kohen Gadol Emeritus, as it were, but certainly not a Kohen Mashiach Muhammad. So what's going on? So we had these two versions of the story. Maskifla of Papa, of Papa, when he heard the two versions, he said, Bishlam Rabbi Abau, I can understand Rabbi Abau was very, very chashev. And therefore, uh, Ami and Ravasi would turn away from him because they would not want to confront him out of dignity, uh, for his, right, for his, uh, level. Mishum Yakar the Bekesar. And also because he was held in high esteem by the Caesar, you don't start up with a guy of his stature. Uh, but if they had spoken to Rabbi Abba, if he was the one that said the statement, they would just say, hey, listen, uh, that can't be. Rabbi Yochanan would not have said it. So, therefore, it could not have been Rabbi Abba who said it. It must have been Rabbi Abba. In other words, everybody agrees that the reaction was the Ravami and Ravasi did not like this. So, finally, Kiyasa Ravin. So we said when Ravdimi came, or maybe when Rabbi Abba came, Right, this is what they said in the name of Yochanan, made it sound like even the Kohen Meshuch Muhammad wears the Shemar of Begadim. However, when Ravin came, he gave the, the straight talk as to what Rabbi Yochanan actually said with regards to the Shemar of Begadim and the Kohen Meshuch Muhammad, and he says the following, Nish al Itmar. Right, this was stated, the idea that the Kohen Meshuch Muhammad was wearing the Shemar of Begadim, it doesn't mean that he wore, it doesn't mean that he wore the Kohen Gadol, as was said in the name of Rav Dimi, right? He said, No, that's not what it said. It said, Oh, that's a totally different thing, right? Those clothing, the Shemona Begadim, the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Meshuch Muhammad, before going to war, he would go address, he wouldn't wear those clothing, he would consult the clothing. What who consults clothing? Not a clothing consultant. Well, a clothing consultant, but in the sense that he's consulting clothing. Anyway, point is, who consults clothing? Well, 
they, they don't forget the Shemona Begadim include the breastplate which has in it the Urim Batumim. That's the whole hack. So all this discussion about whether the Kordon Meshuch Machama wears the Shemona Begadim, that was a great discussion and worthy, uh, certainly, um, uh, of, of all the new things we learned therein. But the real original statement was not that he wears the Shemona Begadim, but rather that he consults the Shemona Begadim. So we finally we found the Bryson that says it correctly, that he consults the Shemona Begadim. What he actually wears, I'm not sure. If you can't wear Arba Begadim, you can't wear Shemona Begadim. But anyway, we've gotten to the point of understanding that the Koran Meshuch Melchama consults with the Begadim, and now is where we get to the Urim Betumim. Nine lines up for the bottom. We're going to discuss the procedure of how you consult the Urim Betumim. How do you find out the future by asking the Urim Batumim stuff. Well, there's a giant discussion. What are the Urim Batumim? Are they parchment? Are they parchment that Hashem... See, when it discusses what Moshe Rabbeinu put together as far as... And, and when you look at Trumat Tetzaveh and all of the making of the vestments of the Kohanim, it doesn't say to Moshe Rabbeinu, and also, by the way, put together the Urim Batum and write it down on a cloth or anything like that. And so thus there is a shita that this was a cloth that was handed to Moshe Rabbeinu by Hashem. And that that cloth was folded in. Others say it was the gemstones that like lit up. Um, others say that it was, right? So, so we don't know exactly what they looked like. So that certainly plays into how you're going to consult it. There's going to be machloks and all, all over the place about what these things were. Anyway, Tan we learned in Brisa. Ketzot how do you consult the Urim Batum? Hashol Panav Klape Nishal. That's, it sounds like the, the Hashoel. So he's the one who would ask the Urim Batum. We'll learn. It has to be either the Melech or the Rosh Sanhedrin. He's going to face the one being consulted. Who's the one being consulted? The Kohen Gadol asking the Urim Batumim. Now, the, and he who is being asked is facing the Shechina. So it sounds like so that's the Machlokas Rashi in the Rambam. It's unclear who's facing it. It sounds like that certainly he who is asking is facing uh, the Kohen Gadol. Question is, is the Kohen Gadol facing the person who's asking and is it face to face? That's what Rashi seems to say. Therefore, when it says Klape Shechina, it means that he's looking down at his own chest at the Ur Another possible orientation, which is what the Ramam thinks, is that the Shoel is facing the Kohen Gadol indeed, but he, in, the, in fact, is facing the Kohen Gadol's back because the Kohen Gadol is facing Klape Shechina, which is to say facing westwards, right, towards the Kaddish Kaddashim. Anyway. The, whatever the orientation is, right, the shoal is east of him, the, and they're in the base of Mikdash over there, and the shoal asks, Hashol Omer, should we go for it? Should, should we pursue this troop? This was like an actual event when they asked him, should we go? And he said, yeah, yeah, go. Bua. Uh, Right, We don't. Ain't nobody got time for that. We don't. Not going to. Um, you know, start reciting things and ceremonially. We are in a rush. We're about to go and fight. So we're going to go with bua here and say Okay, and then go to war. The Bryce says ain't in We're not going to ask too loud. right? Because low seems to imply, right, like, like Hashem more. So we're not shallow or seem, or if not Hashem, at least only the Kohen Gadol, right? Nobody else is supposed to be, in other words, shallow is an intimate, private 
questioning. This is not the kind of thing where you make a ceremony out of it with a, with a public crowd, okay? But nor do you say it without, you know, without any articulation at all. You should all, and you should not only just say it in your mind or heart, right? This is what I was saying about Lifnei Hashem. So you ask him, it's intimate, but Lifnei Hashem, and Lifnei Hashem implies some sort of, right, that there's some sort of, some articulation. So who does this remind you of? Says the Gemara, the famous Tefillah, Shana, after which our Tefillah is patterned, Shanemar, the Chanaim in the Beres Al-Liba. Right, she, she was talking, but in a very, very soft whisper. This took, uh, caught the attention of Elia Cohen, who thought she was um, drunk, and then famously, right, the manager says, Shikora, but he, it really meant Keshera, which actually plays into this idea of the Urim Vitumim. Do the words, um, how are the, are the words actually spelled for you? Are they not? So that's what we're going to get into that. Okay, but it seems like Eli Hakoin consulted the Urim Vitumim for that as well. We're going to see, was there only one Urim Vitumim? That's another massive question here. What were the Urim Vitumim and how many were there? Because occasionally in Tanakh you'll see David Melech running for his life and he's consulting Urim Vitumim. What's he doing with the Urim Vitumim? Was there another one that was in the base of Mikdash and he's running around in caves with the second one? That is in itself a, uh, a matter of debate. How many Urim Vitumim were there? Uh, was there one main one where the cloth was Moshe Rabbeinu plays into how was the Urim Vitumim fashioned? Was there a man-made one and a divine-made one? Fascinating, fascinating aspects of the Urim Vitumim. Anyways, the Gemara continues, You can't ask about two things simultaneously. But if you ask two things, you can, you're going to blow it because you're going to be only answered one uh, thing no matter what. And that thing's going to be the first thing that you ask. This is illustrated by an actual question. David Melch aforementioned running for his life. And he said, Are the people of Keilah, are they going to... Uh, are they going to turn me into Shaul who's running after me? And will Shaul, in fact, come down? The Yom Hashem, Yered. And Hashem said he's going to come down. Wait a minute. I thought we said that, that the Urim Vitumim, what do you mean, Yom Hashem? It was by, um, right through the Urim Vitumim. Well, I, I thought he only answered the first thing that you asked. That was the second thing, David Melech asked. That's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara says, I thought he was only going to answer the first thing. Here they asked him, answered the second thing. So the Gemara answers, David Shal has returned to Ein Gimel and Bay at the hopeless time of 6.19 a.m. Hopefully at least we'll finish the parak and then we'll start fresh manana. Shalok HaSeder. David Melech himself asked out of order. Seder. And he answered, but he was answered in the correct order. In other words, from that, David inferred that he understood that he had asked out of order, and though he, thus he asked again. So then Hashem finally answered him that in fact they're going to hand him in. Anyway, David and Melch should have asked it in that order because all that mattered was, is Shaul going to get me, right? But Shaul understood and, and David Melech rather understood from the answer that he should have asked it in such a way. But be that as may, the Brisa says, again, talking about the practice of asking the Urim Vatumim, if you, in fact, the matter is urgent, you're about to go into battle, and you need two answers, don't worry, the Urim Vatumim can be relied on to give you two answers. Right? In other words, you got, you have a troop, they're running away. You need to know, right? Time is of the essence. Are we going to chase these guys down or not? Yeah, go get them 
and you're going to be successful. Okay, we're highlighting a contrast between the Urim Batumim and their prognostication and that of a Navi even. When you have a Navi, sometimes that can be turned around. The judgment of the Urim is called the Mishpat, which is to say it can't be turned over, right? So for example, when right, Yonah says, He Right, uh, foretold the doom and destruction of Ninveh, and yet that did not happen because they did tshuva. So we can always do tshuva, right? Like all the Greek tragedies, right? The word of the oracle Lahavdil is not set in stone. You can chart your own destiny, Andrew. However, not so if the Urim Vatumim say it. If they say it, that's what it is. Lama Nikrashmam Urim and that is reinforced by the very name Urim Vatumim. Urim, Shema'irim is Divrayim. Urim, because they're going to illuminate what's going to happen. Tumim, Shema'shlimim et Divrayim. Tumim, because they are going to complete their words from the word Tam. So what they say, they're going to illuminate and elucidate, right, what the reality is. And in fact, they're going to follow through. We have, if you look at Tanakh, uh, if you look at Shoftim, the, the crazy story of Pilegesh Begiva, Right, there was a Pilegesh. She was basically uh, mutilated and massacred. This is a terrible thing. The rest of the Shvatim, this happened in the Shevet of Binyamin. That's what's called Giva Binyamin. The, the Shvatim thought this was a horrible thing. And there was a civil war, Andrew, between Binyamin and the rest of the Shvatim. And the rest of the Shvatim wanted to know, are we going to be able to be successful? Binyamin had, that's where Shalom came from. They had some really excellent fighters. And sure enough, the room to him said, yeah, go, go to war. And you see three separate in Shoftim, Perak Chaf, then Perak Chaf Gimel, Perak Chaf Zayin. Why is this stretching out? Well, because in the civil war, the fight against the Binyamin, Rahman al civil war, was not successful the first two times. And yet the Urim Tumim said, go to battle. So what's this thing? We thought the Urim Tumim were always right. So if you're going to ask that, I'll explain it to you as follows. They didn't ask, are we going to succeed? They asked the Urim Batumim, the other Shvatim did, should we go to war? And the Urim Batumim said, yeah, maybe go to war. Amazingly, the Urim Batumim did in fact say this civil war was appropriate and that they should go. But as the Gemara is pointing out, the Urim Batumim didn't guarantee or say whether they're going to win or lose. However, at the end, they were smart. The third time, if you look at the Pesukim and Perak Chavzain, they actually uh, asked, you know what? Uh, where, you know, the first and the second battle were terrible. We, uh, absorbed many casualties and there were terrible ideas. Are we gonna actually win this time? And then, yes. The Urim Tum said yes. Right? Or shall I not? He said, yes. You go up now a third time and fight because tomorrow you will win in that kachava. That, in fact, was what took place. So we see when the Urim Batum tell you that you'll succeed, you will, in fact, succeed. Happens to be in the episode of Pilegesh Begiva, there was no, there, there was no guarantee of success the first two times. But that's not because the Urim Batum are not going to follow through, but simply because that was not brought up the first two times. Okay. Finally, what is the mechanism? How are we going to ask in the final two minutes? The Urim Batum, Ketzad Nases, or and Omar Bolto. So that's, in fact, as we said, it's a machlokas. Yochanan says the words stick out. Reshlakash Omar Mitztarfos. Mitztarfos would mean that the words actually come together. So it sounds like you don't have to unscramble them. Aye, there's a problem. Uh, if you look at all the names of the Shvatim, there's going to be two letters that are missing. The Tzadi and the Tet. 
So how are you going to give over a message that requires a tzadi in a test? So the Gemara asks, tzadi. You look, there's no tzadi in any of the shvatim. It has the name of the Avos also in the Urim Betumim. Well, Yitzchak has a tzadi in it, so that takes care of that. Iva loksiv test. What about the test? Amar vacham Yaakov shiftei with a test. Yeshur and ksiv sham. Okay, so the word shevet is in there. You get your tzadi, you get your test. Bada bing, bada boom. Meisvei. Kol koin sheinu medaba ruach hakodesh shchina sharalav ain't shalin bo. You need a coin with divine spirit, uh, spirit in order to ask the urim v'tumim. You can't just be any shlub. Sharei shal tzadok ve'alsalo evyasa v'lo alsalo. This was how evyasa was eventually replaced by tzadok. David Melch is on the run. He had to replace him. Shenema v'yal evyasar atom kol ha'am. You look at you look over there and you see that it didn't it it did not work until tzadok came. The Gemara answers, however, so you have a messiah by Adayu. The coin would help the urim v'tumim along. And finally, vein shon lelamelech. Only a king could consult me now and immediately Amar Rabaud, Amar Krabah, Lifnei Alzar, Kohen Yamod, Vishal Lob, Mishpat Urim, Hu Zem Melech. Who means the Melech, him, the, the big he, the big cheese. The Chobnei Sorali Toz, and Meshuch Machama, and Meshuch Machama can't ask as well. The Cholai does, Sanhedrin. So it has to be somebody very, very Chashev that it has the uh, public uh, concern in mind, either Melech, Meshuch Machama, or the, or, or the, uh, the most Chashev Sanhedrin are the ones that can consult the Urv Tumim, Hadran Alach Balo, Bezat Hashem will resume with the eighth and final most Halacha Lamaisa Perik in Yuma tomorrow. Thank you.